0: Welcome, in. it's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Justin Berg. The Bearcats are 24-4, and 4 and it's uh, it's getting close to spring football. We'll probably have a couple football episodes coming up here in the near future. We are about 10 days away. We're exactly 10 days away uh, from spring football starting for the Cincinnati Bearcats on March 9th. That is one day before senior day. Berg, I'm not happy about that. Daylight Savings Time Noon Game for Senior Day. Oh. Yeah, that Saturday is Daylight Savings Time. So we lose an hour of sleep for a noon game. I, I would like for that place to be as rowdy as possible, and that makes it all the even more difficult. Now, it is a CBS game, so you get national exposure. I get that. Hopefully, if you can win these next two, it's a chance to share a conference championship. Um, I I need to make a correction I was wrong If Cincinnati wins out and Houston Only loses that last game Houston would get the one seed Cincinnati would get the two seed um, In the conference tournament Because of the way the tiebreaker is written Uh, I didn't know there was An addendum to the tiebreaker That penalizes Cincinnati Because they only played Temple at Temple Which uh, I, I think is stupid Houston lost to Temple at Temple Cincinnati won at Temple Cincinnati should get the tiebreaker. But because Houston played them twice, Cincinnati only played them once, it continues down the list, and you get to Cincinnati's loss to ECU, um, and that would put Cincinnati second, which I don't particularly mind. Uh, I think as it stands right now, Memphis is probably going to finish fourth or fifth. You would like to, if at all possible, avoid their side of the bracket playing at FedEx Forum. So I I don't think that would be terrible, but a, a correction there from what I said last week, um, as uh, it was brought to light that there was more to the rule than just Cincinnati having a better record than than Houston against Temple because Houston played them
1: twice, Cincinnati only played them once. Um, yeah, I think, yeah. If you lose to East Carolina, you, you don't win the tiebreaker. Yeah, and
0: I'm okay with that. I, I don't yeah.
1: really have an issue with it. Uh,
0: this show is brought to you by 513 Shirts. Go to 513 Shirts, support this team, get your don't shoplift tradition Shirts, Because if there's any game that was don't shoplift tradition, there is no other Cincinnati game in recent memory that is a don't shoplift tradition game more than the game we saw last night. It was a throwback to the old Big East days. 52-49 Cincinnati beats SMU. The numbers are not pretty, Justin. We'll get into it in just a second, but go to 513shirts.com. Go to Partners. Drop down on Bearcat Journal. And that will take you to the Bearcat Journal line of gear. That's where you can get your Don't Shoplift Tradition shirts. You can get Bearcat Journal gear. You can get the Red Helms gear that's still there Uh, from football season. A lot of good stuff. And uh, if you spend over $50, then you can get free shipping. And the guys at 513 Shirts are huge UC fans. Support us. Support them. Support this team. Don't Shoplift Tradition. Go get you a shirt today. Uh, Shirts, hoodies, all that good stuff at 513shirts.com. Well, Justin, 26.7% from the floor. Or no, though, no, no, hold on. 26.6% from the floor, sorry. 19% from three, including 0 for 5 in the second half. And Cincinnati wins the game. They somehow managed to score 30 second half points. While shooting 33% from the floor, 0% from three-point range. The way they did that, obviously, in large part, 14 of those 30 points from the free-throw line, 14 of 15 from the line. The only miss, a one-and-one one by Jaron Cumberland. He missed the front end. Um, or it could have been even better. It could They could have finished 16 for 16 from the free-throw line. And they were able to hold off a late flurry from Jamal McMurray. Who was incredible? The defense was all over him, and he found a way to hit shots. He scored twenty-seven. Uh, nobody else for them scored seven. I thought the job that they did on Jimmy Witt and uh, and Isaiah Mike were were massive. Mike didn't hit a three. Uh, he's been
1: really good at shooting the three this year.
0: But it, that was uh, that was an old school Bearcat win, Justin.
1: No doubt, and. When Cumberland missed that front end, we had the rarely seen six points turnaround on with without a three-pointer on the first end because, you know, they could have had two. They gave up four on the other end. So sometimes you see the the three and then you don't on, get that. On yeah. an absolute joke of a call. Right. Very didn't true. Didn't touch him.
0: Didn't yeah. absolutely didn't touch him. And they called a foul on Justin Jennifer. What a joke. I hate this yeah.
1: league. You do? I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. but yeah so so you talked about 14 for 15 from the line first half for me you know zero no no free throw attempts is uh what was a major concern I understand they're letting things go the the referees are but the the Bearcats had the ball close in a few times and went up somewhat soft you could say so really it was the it was the close shooting that was that was the main problem. Yeah. UC didn't shoot well from three. I don't know that they ever really do in that building anyway. So that was, that was the the, the main takeaway that I had was, yeah, you you make some closer shots or you're strong and get fouled and it's probably not as close of a game, but yeah, overall just about as good as you can play defensively other than, other than a couple times, McMurray was open. I mean, he hit a lot of guarded ones. There was a couple breakdowns where he somebody's got sucked in and they kicked it out and he was open but other than that great rebounding they they, they just play hey, look like Mick talked about after the game it's hard to just say hey keep playing D keep playing D and you're like you know it's hard not to get frustrated when you can't make anything right and they just they just this team just does not want to lose they just don't they whatever they need to do to, to win these games they're doing it so and I think something just Generally, if you look at this road trip, I think a lot of teams would have lost at least one of those. Yeah. And they didn't lose either one.
0: They didn't particularly play well in either one, but they found a way to win both. Um, Cumberland coming alive late uh, and getting eight points in the final couple minutes, eight of his 12, uh, to really kind of pick them up off the mat. Um, and I thought a, a lot of credit to Rashawn Fredericks down the stretch. Uh, he got two buckets when when baskets were very hard to come by for this basket for this Bearcat team. Uh, he got a, a, a assist right at the rim and then a pump fake and drove, finished and then hit two free throws uh, to close out the game with nine seconds left and to push the lead to six, which kind of ended any opportunity. Uh, even though uh, they scored at the end, but it, it was just one of those gritty, tough games, and and really good to see for Rashawn. You like to see that for guys that have stayed with it. You know, he hasn't had a great year offensively. He struggled with his shot, but the kids had a great attitude. He comes, he works hard every day. He's trying to carve out a role on this team, and in a game where they needed him, they win by three. He scored six. Guess what? Rashawn Fredericks made a huge difference in the outcome of that game.
1: Yeah, and that shot fake on that three pointer was incredible because you got to think scattering report for SMU. You, you figure let him shoot. Yeah, and and Fran Hunt just decided he thought he was going to be able to block. He, he Fran Hunt was pretty impressive athletically last night. Yeah, but he thought I'm going to go up and, and get this because Rashawn brought that ball all the way like back behind his head like he was going to hoist it. He went for it. Uh, uh, Hunt went for it, and he just calmly just dribbled right into the basket, stopped the off two party. feet. Yeah. He's like, I'm just going to stop off two feet and lay this in. And so hopefully some, um, some other guys see that on film because there's, op- there's other opportunities. I, I feel like in certain situations where guys will take a three with a guy running at him, and there's like the whole baseline open or whatever the case is, but great. Yeah. And he, he was also good on the glass and on defense. So, he played key minutes, and they—they they, I guess they just figured – Mick figured, you know, you got to go a little smaller um, to try to cover the three-point line because that's just what, the, what that team does.
0: Yeah. I mean, this was – in every phase, this was a Mick Cronin win. They hold SMU to 35% from the floor, 29% from three. They dominate the glass 50 to 35. Ooh. They, they only turn it over eight times. I mean, all the things that Mick Cronin teaches – for this specific reason, to win on nights when your shots aren't falling, came true in this game. It was like Mick Cronin's going to go home and really appreciate this one. Let, let's say that. <laughs>
1: yeah, because this is the type of game that you you drop it and it could affect your seed line. It just could. I mean, even though it's not a terrible loss, it's a road loss, all that stuff. But you know, it's just it, it, it just it's something that could happen. So the, it was one. The whole week was just like avoid this avoid any kind of loss here because you want to try to stay where you are and that was in both games I had to tighten up the defense down the stretch and I mean that's that's how they did it just like you said it was it, it, we're, we've seen lot we've seen plenty of these in the last 9 years and we saw plenty in the Huggins era as well but this one was the one I mean 26.6% and win a road game that is I mean has anybody done that not just – because I know UC hasn't, but has anyone done that? Right. And I don't have the stats.
0: Yeah, and, and SMU's not good. Right. Per se. But they've got a star, and they've got some other guys that can hurt you, especially with the way they stretch the floor. And UC didn't allow it to happen. I mean, they, they only give up 21 points in the second half. 12 of those came in the final three minutes. With three minutes left, SMU had nine points in the half.
1: Yeah, they had five in the first 12. Yeah. That's big time.
0: Um, Nice here, Brooks and Trey Scott. I know there's frustration with those two around the rim. SMU had 10 block shots. A lot of them were on those two. But 12 rebounds for Brooks, 10 rebounds for Scott. Brooks still finished with eight points. Um, Trey had four. So you get 12 points and 22 rebounds from your front court. Obviously, they've got to be better than five of twenty from the floor, but they did a lot of things to help this team win that game. In spite of the fact that since they've had that weak layoff, the two of them have struggled offensively.
1: True. Yeah, they just they did the bearcat stuff that needed to happen. They they provided the um the, the, the you know the effort stuff and the, all the all the stuff that you can control, as Coach Cronin will say. And you'd like to see them be stronger. And um, more effective that close to the basket. It didn't hurt UC as far as losing the game last night, but it just it hurt the overall point total.
0: Yeah, I mean, that could have been a pretty comfortable win if those two were a little stronger around the rim. But, and this is something Mick pointed out in the in the pregame on radio. Um, I didn't realize this. SMU's second in the conference in block percentage. Hmm. So while they don't have a lot of size. They do have guys that are long and athletic that look to hunt and hunt being the key word for on hunt, um, look to hunt blocks from the weak side. And they got a lot of those. Yeah, hunt night. and
1: Mike. Yeah. yeah, hunt and Mike and even Witt at six three can get up there and Dixon was a former football player. And yeah. Yeah. There was you saw like a couple times Jaron drove in and he leaned in and then a the guy just came from the side and blocked it. And yeah. And guys, block block you see from behind all the different angles. Here, here's here's one issue I had with that. I don't maybe this was me,
0: and I know people get sick of me complaining about officiating, and I'm not complaining this time, uh, other than <laughs> a couple of the obvious things. I thought they were sw- they were smacking down a lot, which is almost always called a foul.
1: Yeah, on some and, of the and strips.
0: A, yeah, on some of the strips, and on some of the blocks, like their hands were over. The vertical, you know, you're supposed to have your hands straight up, and they had their hands uh, in Cincinnati space quite a bit, and that's one thing. And 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 this isn't um, complaining about officiating in this game. This is a, a general thing. I hate that the game is called one way from December until the middle of February, and then as you get into the middle, like the end towards the end of conference play, it's just a bloodbath.
1: Yeah, I think they just it feels like they just want to get these games over quicker. You know, because you saw. Why?
0: Because those guys work six games a week.
1: Yeah. They're tired of blowing their whistle. Yeah, because if you – I've watched a few South Florida games. Houston comes to mind. There was a couple others where it was just – both teams would have like 18 fouls and a half at the same half. So they probably – the league office is like, well, we got to let some of this stuff go. So now it's affecting as far as how how aggressive these guys can be when they guard Jaron. And and you've seen it the last three games where they've been up up in them. And they're just they're just saying, all right, like obviously do the best you can and not let him catch the ball. And then when he catches it, just be right there. And usually he's been able to, up until this last three game stretch, he's been able to like just go through their shoulder or their hip or whatever, give him a little fake. Also, he was doing that thing where he would stare him down and then just shoot the three in their face. He doesn't have room to do that now. Yeah,
0: that, so that that has yeah. been eliminated.
1: Yeah. So now his yeah. So and that was a, that was quite a few of his a lot of his points because he wasn't shooting well from two during the during that like nine game stretch where he led the Bearcats in points, he was really just he was having a lot of games where he'd have three to five three pointers made. And then he was getting a lot of free throws. And so you take you know, you, you cut his free throws in half or even by, you know, by two thirds and he's not getting his threes, now all of a sudden instead of getting twenty to twenty five, he's getting eight to twelve. Yeah. Um... but it's a fish it's an officiating thing, like you said. And and so I, I that's the type of thing that won't be the same in the postseason, most likely. Right. Maybe not in the conference tournament, but in the, uh, in the NCAA tournament. They, they they don't let teams just grab and hold all the time. I mean, they, you know, they're on that stuff.
0: How about, how about him getting a charge call with his head turned, passing away from the basket?
1: With they the guy got, still moving.
0: With the guy still moving, his head is turned, he's passing away from the basket, and they call a charge on him for dropping his shoulder. Holy cow. Yeah, he's like, all right.
1: they treat him like Shaq.
0: Yeah. they like,
1: like, oh, who cares if they push him or elbow him? He can take it. He's yeah. the, how strong he is.
0: He's big and strong. Foul, foul the hell out of him. It's not a big deal. <laughs> I, I don't want to get off on that tangent because I can yeah. go on for days about officiating in this league. Did you see ECU and, uh, and Houston last night?
1: No. I saw Houston score 99.
0: Yeah, in large part because Ed Dooley got ejected, they had a player get ejected, they had two fans get ejected. Really? So, yeah. They took two fans out in handcuffs, basically.
1: Wow, I didn't how did I miss that whole thing?
0: I, I don't know. They like unbelievable. Unbelievable. Dooley, it's the first time in thirty five years. Thirty five year coaching career, it's the first time he's been ejected.
1: Huh. The officials in this league stink. <laughs> yeah, they're not the best in the world. And but... then
0: Pat Adams. And then Pat Adams. Costs UC a, a, a huge win last night. Oh, he did the Ole Miss game? Yeah, he was he was the lead official in Ole Miss and Tennessee.
1: Yeah, his reach is just – it's like his, his tentacles are stretching all over the country to affect UC. <laughs> he, called, <laughs> he
0: called a charge 30 feet from the rim on a secondary <laughs> defender sliding under a shooter. Unbelievable. That guy's a jerk. <laughs> all right uh, i i i don't have a ton more on smu do you
1: i don't i don't even if i did i don't even want to get to it i'm just you just say hey you take the win you move on and you and you just thank all of your lucky stars that keith williams was okay when after he was rolling around on the baseline like he looked like he, he, he tore every bone and ligament his, <laughs> you can't tear a bone but he broke every bone and tore every ligament at his leg the way he was he was reacting, uh, but that, um, Mick was yeah. so funny post game on that. I know. It was, it, and then like oh god is, is he okay? And then the, the, like they, they played the next play the next play he ball he's back in <laughs> like oh I guess he's okay because there he is shooting a fadeaway like all right cool. Uh, I do want to say
0: congratulations on your best your best headline of the year.
1: Oh yeah that was that wasn't even that hard to come up with. <laughs> What else are you supposed to say about that?
0: It's fantastic. Nothing better (laughs) than Berg coming hard with Cincinnati scores more points than SMU. Fantastic. It was the perfect description of that game.
1: Yeah, because you don't want to, you don't really want to rag on anybody. It's (laughs) it's just no real, no real reason to.
0: Cincinnati scores more points than SMU. Absolutely well done. I might give, I might give you a bonus on your next check for that one. That was, (laughs) that was peak headline
1: writing right there.
0: (laughs) All right, you you, te- you tell me you've got a game to play.
1: I do. It's called the concern meter, and uh, this is it's it's somewhat similar. It's like it's like the the cousin of the game we played earlier, which is real or not real. I nailed that, was, that game, by the way. You did. You did pretty well for never having played it and, and not not no, and not knowing what to expect. That was after like the third game of the season, I believe. Maybe third or fourth. It was really early. You were worried now we about, about have, a lot of things. Right, and now we only have three games left so th- so the list has 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 uh, whittled down to three things. All right. and and I'll start with the first I'll present the first one to you and that is Jaron Cumberland, the last three games he's getting beat up he's playing a lot of minutes. what's your concern uh, so the scale is just do a, let's just make it simple one to ten 10 being your like the most concern you could be and zero being you're not worried at all. Where are you on on Jaron as far as wearing down and and just like the the load he's had to carry and all the minutes he's played in conference play?
0: Um, probably about a two. I I think in the middle. Um I think it obviously it is the it's the first time at the college level that he has had to garner this type of load. You've played six of your last ten games on the road. The officiating has changed. The teams are just beating the hell out of him, Um, and he's not getting the the reward of of going to the free throw line for it, which I know mentally has to be. I mean, just think about if you're playing a pickup game and and you can't call fouls, and the other team is just beating the hell out of you every time you try to do anything. Come off a screen, come off a pick and roll, catch the ball, (laughs) drive to the rim. When you get to the rim... Uh, everything you do results in someone's body banging into your body. So I, I, I think there is some, some level of concern there. Um, although I will say, I think get through Saturday. You've got a break between then and Central Florida on the road. I'd give him two days off. And, and just tell them don't even bother. They'll have their scheduled day off on Sunday, I would assume. Tell them on Monday, sleep in, <laughs> come in and get treatment, and, and don't even worry about it. We'll, we'll we'll run practice without you today. Get him as much rest as you can get him. Get, do as much as you can to get his body um, back to, to feeling as good as it can possibly feel for these final two games. Um, but I, I think it can be overcome. I don't think it is debilitating. Uh, But I do think it can be overcome. And I think it can be a blessing in disguise if he does get back on track a little. Because you've had three games where everybody else has had to step up. Right. And they've come away with three wins, including a win over UCF. So, you know, I I think there can be good that can come of it. But I obviously understand hey, this guy was scoring 24 points a game, and now he's struggling to get 11. So I get where the concern comes from. Um, I I don't think, you know, when people look, people want to talk about his body language. His body language never changes. So that's how he looks constantly. So I I don't see, like, you know, he doesn't look engaged. If he didn't look engaged, he wouldn't still be leading the team in assists, he wouldn't still be strong on the glass. He would be disengaged. And he hasn't been any of those things. He's just struggling to put the ball in the basket right now, which for a player of his caliber is frustrating. So I, I would say on a, on a on a scale of 1 to 3.
1: No, out, 1 to 10.
0: Or 1 to 10. Oh, five.
1: Yeah, I was like, okay. Okay.
0: Five. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I think right in the middle. Maybe, right. even, maybe even a 6. Uh, 5.7. <laughs> I'm going to okay. go decimals on this. 5.7. <laughs>
1: Close to six, yeah. but not quite six. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm right around that same neighborhood. I I, I could I'm I'm probably a six because he is he. If you look at his minute, his minutes. He, I mean, he's been he's played thirty five plus a lot in the last three games. He's played thirty five plus. You you would think that against SMU or or UConn that you should be able to find a way to get him. You know, just a little bit. Yeah, what?
0: What makes you think? There's going to be time to get him rest in any game over these past eleven games, with the way the fa- this team has played this year.
1: Well, the fact that in the first half of the Houston game when he was out with foul trouble and they they did well with with him off on off the floor, that's, like other guys can step up. That's so, a bold risk. Well, <laughs> hey, Houston Houston's the best defensive team in the league, and and he was off the floor, and they they were plus in that stretch at, at the end of the first half. But either way, you just think about like the minutes are very taxing cuz first of all you're playing Cincinnati defense which is all out and then on offense he's getting beat up he also has to move a lot off the ball and then he has a high usage rate in general when he has the ball so it's just both sides adding up it's just a lot now i also i also think he's in the best shape he's ever been in yes so that would be that would be the counter to the concern because he he lost the weight he's 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 eating right he's doing all the right stuff and he's probably playing that many minutes because he can I, if if he wasn't capable and it was gonna hurt him, then I don't think Mick would play him as many and I understand that he's trying to win every single game. I just don't know i I don't know physically mentally how much because he's never like you said he's never been at this level playing this much and having this much on his shoulders. but the good news is that the reason why you you don't go too far past the five or six on the on the concern meter is because there's all the other guys are stepping up and they're like, I, I pointed out on the message board the other day on all these close, these close wins. I mean, Jaron's done some stuff, but it, it's mostly been the other guys in the, down the stretch that have made the key plays, the key yeah. shots. Last
0: uh, night, he made a lot of them.
1: He did, but there's, there's been, there's been like three of the games where yeah. he's, he's dominated down the stretch. And the rest of them have been Jennifer broom the other day. He had broom at Yukon. And so there, there's other guys that have, that have made plays. So that's why you're not, it's not, it's not just like, him and there's no chance like he he's had games where he hasn't done well and they've still found ways to win so it's it, it I don't think I don't think you can go past that but still like overall you just he's shooting 28 percent the last three games I think it's just probably gonna have to be an adjustment with how they use him and what their strategy is when guys defend him like that just gonna have to be some adjustments in that in that regard
0: I agree I think they tried some adjustments last night shots just didn't fall yeah and they got the ball into the paint. They got the ball around the rim a ton. And guys just weren't able to put the ball in the basket. I think that they moved it well. <laughs> um, I thought the offense executed the way that they needed to execute up until the point of putting the ball in the basket.
1: Yeah. Well, that good segue because the second, the second one of these is, is the finishing around the rim. And where are you on that 1-10 to 10 concern meter?
0: Probably a seven because it's not like they've been really good at it all year. So I don't know why you would expect all of a sudden that to go a different way. You know what I mean? Yes. It's been an issue, and it's been something that I think it goes directly to the fact that at this level, Nysir Brooks and Trey Scott have not been relied on as much as they've been relied on this year. I I think it's something that hopefully as they go through another offseason with with this in their mind that they can work through. But ultimately, I mean, 28 games in, they kind of are what they are, right? Yeah. So I mean, uh, fairly concerned. Uh, I, I think a seven is fair on that, and and it's just because I don't, I don't know why you would expect all of a sudden for it to be different. You know what I mean? We've seen some flashes from both of them. We've seen a a, a stretch here or a stretch there, um, where both of them have been able to put the ball in the basket. But as a whole, they haven't been great at it. And teams that are really physical do to them what they do to others. So, I mean, Trey is 47% from the floor. Nas is 51% from the floor. So those aren't terrible numbers, but they're not going to be elite at it. They're not going to be, you know, 60% down the stretch just because they need to be better. They're going to both – actually, you know what? Those numbers kind of changed my mind a little, because they've been way worse than those percentages the past couple games. Yeah, so maybe they and- can trend back up, but I, I'm still going to say a seven because it has been an issue since they've had that week break. That, that those two something is is amiss and them finishing strong around the rim. Trey had a couple last night where he managed to to sneak him in, but he also had one. He made a great move does a reverse pivot inside gets to the rim and then, and then can't get it off the glass and in like you got to finish those for both of those guys.
1: Right. Okay. So you're at a seven on that. I I'm closer to a nine on that. And, <laughs> and, and, and here's why, because if you look at the best competition that UC's played this year, they, their two point percentages is, is very, very low. And part of that is finishing at the, at the basket. And so I think it killed them in the Houston game. I know other things could have as well, but they still only got to 58 points. And so, my concern is that if you want to go, if you if you're trying to get where you want to get, you're going to be playing the type of teams that you've been struggling to finish in the paint against. And and I, and and, even, and then you you add in the team like an SMU, they're a good shot blocking team, but the, the the reason being is it's so hard this time of year to get the ball that close to the rim. It's just it's just hard to do. Yeah. Teams are always trying to take away from the rim out, especially against UC. They want them to beat them with jump shots. So if you run a great play or you make a nice move and you get the ball down there to somebody, if you get those opportunities, you have to put them in the hole because you're just not going to be able to add up to enough points. I think so that's, that's fair. So that's where I am. I, I, I feel like, to me, that is, that is way more of a concern to me than, than Jaron's workload or any of that stuff. I would, I would say that's probably my number one concern because, you know, people talk about, you know, the, the shooting the ball and stuff like that and making threes. And those, you know, UC's – I mean, this, this is the best three-point shooting team they've probably had in forever. And they're, I know they were leading the league until last night. So, you know, they, they've actually been pretty pretty good shooting the basketball overall. But, and I know there's going to be games where they don't make a high percentage like last night. But if you also are not making those close ones – you just – there's there's not enough points. You just aren't there's just not going to be able to add up to enough. So that is my main concern at this point. Okay. So the, the, the third one is if you look at the last three games, UC has, has um, allowed some some pretty sizable runs against them. UCF 18-2 to start the second half. UConn 16-0. On Sunday, and then SMU went on that fourteen to three run to close the first half last night. How concerned are you about those types of runs happening? Um, we've seen that. I mean,
0: that type of thing happens in basketball pretty much every night in every game. Um, you definitely need to see them find a way to stop the bleeding. I think that goes back to Jaron Cumberland that's your alpha that you need to stop the bleeding in the past couple games. He just hasn't been able to to be that guy. So I think as number one goes, so goes number three. Yeah. Um, so I, I would say probably about a five there. I mean, that uh, part of basketball is you're going to go cold for a stretch and the other team's going to get – especially it, – it's funny because with Cincinnati's defense, that's kind of what it allows in that – you can only, I mean, you're not going to hold teams to 30 points a game. So when you play really, really good defense, and over the course of 40 minutes, teams are only scoring 55, 60 points, at some point in time there's going to be a run in there. Yeah. Where they where they put up a bunch of points in a little bit of time. Um, I, I think you have to understand that. I think we've seen that as far back as Mick has been here. The teams have been able to go on runs, but it's only because the law of percentages, like they're going to get to 35, 40%. You're not going to hold them to 26.6% shooting every night. <laughs> <laughs> like how I worked that in there. So it's like a perfect example was McMurray at the end of the game last night. Yeah, you know, they had nine points through, through 17 minutes. And then he scores 12 in the final three. Um, so I think that evens itself out. This is It's also a team that's gone on a lot of runs. Um, So I'm not – that would probably be like a four to me. Yeah. I, I know it, it's going to stick in people's crawl because of what we shall not speak of that happened last year. Yeah. And because it's something that, that happens throughout. But it's not something – it's something you've got to withstand. But it's not – I mean, the only way it's insurmountable is if you're down six – and they hit a fourteen to two run, then you're in big trouble. But we haven't seen that, so until I see it in in that fashion, uh, it's not something that that really keeps me awake at night, if you will.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm yeah, I'm I'm even lower than you are on that. I'm, I'm probably about a two, because and and I was talking to to a friend of mine today about this, and he, he this is something he brought up to me, which is you know, what spurred this whole thing on, and and I said. You got to think about it. When UC holds these teams on these droughts and UC is able to, you know, cobble together, you know, let's say like a 15 to three. Well, I think they were 16 to five to start that second half last night for, you know, however long that took. So, and they've had run, they had runs like that against UConn. That's how they built the lead in the beginning of the second half. And it's like in those runs, UC's shooting well above their usual percentage. The other team's shooting well below. So just, it's going to have to even out. You just, the the only concern is like you know sixteen straight, right? Uh, is, is obviously scary because that was that's the number of that we shall not speak of that started that whole thing, but the, the other reason why I'm not that concerned about that is because this team is fine playing from behind, even if they even if they're coughing up these leads. I mean, obviously you don't want to cough up a lead ever, but you look at the, how many halftime deficits have there been in the in the last couple months on the road. How many times have they have they coughed up a lead at home where? you thought they had the game in the bag and they were going to coast. And then they – like the Central Florida game, they're up eight at halftime and all of a sudden they're down eight. The South Florida game, they're up double digits at halftime. And then next thing you know, the game's tied. And they just it, – it, it doesn't – it kind of wakes them up, which, you know, you'd hate to – you don't want to really get into the habit of that. But <clears throat> the fact is, is this team doesn't really panic when they're behind. And it seems like there's certain players on the team that – did like. Like all right, let's do it. Like they're red. Like that that gets them going almost. Yeah. So Um, that would be the the lowest concern for me. I agree. I had I
0: I, we had the same order. We had different numbers a little bit.
1: Yeah. I was I was Yeah, of course, I was more extreme than you. You're always, you know, you you never get too high or too low about any of this stuff. And then I have the I'm the extreme (laughs) guy. So so it makes sense. But one more thing. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say something I didn't. For the first one, back to the you know, Jaron and his workload and all that. We were talking about some of the other players and, and I and, and one thing I was thinking about today was one reason why I'm not as concerned about it is because of where Kane Broom is now in his season. Yeah. He really is in a groove. He's so confident and assertive. It's like he's he's back to playing carefree again. And and even just something subtle is like, do you remember last night when he, he got fouled? on that drive on the right side. And he shot those free throws and he swished the, you know, what out of them, like just so nice and like good arc on them and confident. And, you know, it, it was just like that when you shoot, when you step up to the foul line, you nail free throws like that. Like, you know, you're feeling like that's when you know, a player's feeling good. He's got his swagger back as the right. kids would say. Yeah. The kids would say. So, so the fact is, is that his production's going up. So if Cumberland's does go down, you wouldn't, you don't want to, you don't, expected to stay down at this, like, 10-point, maybe if it's more like in the 15-17 to 17, instead of over 20. If Kane is able to consistently get you somewhere between 8 and, like, 14, then right. it evens out. And so it's, you still end up getting the same production because a lot of those games were, you know, this year where Jaren's had big games and Kane Has had know, hasn't terrible. had right, or whatever. So yeah. so his, his – his, it's, it's just nice to see. And we didn't really – I know this is – five days ago or whatever day Sunday was, but, but I mean that for him to be able to do that in Hartford, like that has, that has to be the best basketball moment of his life. There's no way it's not right. Well, yeah, because you're never going to forget that. No,
0: never, ever, ever going to forget that. So uh, yeah, I've got a, I've got a, uh, are you familiar with the Naismith list?
1: How many's on it?
0: 15.
1: Hmm. I have not looked at that.
0: There's fifteen coaches up for Coach of the Year. None of them are Mick Cronin.
1: Mm. Thoughts. Well, I mean he doesn't have the quote unquote like big win everybody saw. So I guess that explains some of it. And they haven't been ranked much of the year, so I guess that's probably it, it, all. These things are biased. Like whoever comes up with these lists, like they're trying to look at all 300 plus teams, and and it's hard to be able to focus on all of them. But maybe whoever was deciding this didn't understand that they won 30 plus games last year and lost their, you know, three of their four most potent players, and then they're they're 24 and four. Isn't
0: so it, isn't it the job of that? Like, yeah, to, to identify that's, what coaches that's good are doing the best job?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why I'm trying to defend the uh, the morons who didn't include Mick on that list. I, I, I actually you know what, now that you – I thought you were talking about some kind of player award. I didn't realize you, were, you meant coach because I actually did look through that list. And there were a few guys on there, and I'm like, they really haven't – it's not like they're doing Chris anything Mack? you didn't expect. Well, Chris Mack, yeah, I understand a little because they, they weren't supposed to do anything this year. And they're fading fast. They've got eight losses. Right. So national coach of the year is seventeen and eight. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Mick doesn't deserve to be on ahead of him. Come yeah, on. <laughs> who? All right. So who else on there shouldn't be on there? Um, hold on. Let me pull up the full list. I, I remember looking at a few and thinking. I think it was uh, some like some usual guys all who are right. like okay. Rick Barnes. All right. Deserved. Yeah.
0: Chris Beard. Okay. John Beeline, Tony Bennett, Mark Few, Izzo, Shashevsky, Chris Mack. I disagree with. Not that he hasn't done a fantastic job. That is not a great team.
1: I don't know Um, if I if I agree with Shashevsky.
0: I mean, still. Yeah. Nate Oates. UC hasn't had a. An equal year to Buffalo? Really? I mean, I get it's Buffalo, but... Yeah. Matt Painter, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kelvin Sampson.
1: Yeah, he should yeah. be on there. Yeah.
0: Roy Williams. Yeah, and UNC's had a really good year.
1: Yeah, but they've also...
0: It's not great. Uh, they're right there at the top of the ACC.
1: Yeah, that's true. But they also they've had they had some pretty ugly showings in non conference, from what yeah. I remember. But all right, go ahead.
0: Woj, Marquette's atop the Big East. Yeah. Mike Young, Mike.
1: Who's Mike Young? Is hmm. that Wofford? Oh, maybe. Okay. That's. Well, Mick was probably like first four out. <laughs> <laughs> if he if he if he goes ahead and beats. Uh, Central Florida and Houston. He'll he'll get <laughs> off the bubble.
0: Okay, okay, that's fair.
1: <laughs> I, I,
0: I Muscle I mean, Nevada has been a great story. They don't have a quad one win.
1: Oh wait, Musselman's on there. Yeah, yeah, that was the one that I. I that's why. I, yeah, they haven't really beaten. Any, they have anybody that matters, and they've got. Oh. They lost by twenty eight to New Mexico, who was under five hundred.
0: I mean, and- the rest I agree with. I guess.
1: Yeah. So Mick, Mick, yeah, Mick, Mick's mixed Yeah, mix. Probably like one of the first. He's probably like number one, first four out, or maybe one or two. He's he's there, but you know But again, like you see, the records there. But if you look at the wins, you got Ole Miss, you got a couple good road conference wins that aren't people didn't like turn heads about because they weren't over ranked teams, and they beat UCF at home. So it's not. I mean, overall, there's not that like real shiny, shiny win there that you could say, like that. There you go. Let's, let's, let's hitch it to that.
0: Whoa. I didn't realize that. Back to, back to USF or uh, SMU for a minute. Yeah. Did you look at plus minus?
1: No, I didn't because I didn't want to really look at the stats. Well,
0: our guy, Nick, Nick O, who's a, a legend on the Bearcat Journal board. <laughs> Posted this just now on Twitter. What do you think Keith Williams plus minus was in a game they scored fifty two and won by three? No idea. Plus
1: twenty. What? Yeah. (laughs) Wow. I plus twenty. Wow. I I will as soon as hoop lens updates, it usually takes them a few days to add each game because I gotta add them all. So, I'll, 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 I can isolate that game and see what their, like, efficiency was on both ends.
0: On a game where he was 2 of 11 from the floor, scored 8 points, had 5 rebounds, 2 assists, a block, and a steal.
1: You know what? It makes sense, though, because he only played 10 minutes in the first half. He got his second foul, and I think yeah. that's, when, that's when SMU went on their 14-3 run. there's 11 points. Yeah. Uh, minus and then you see what you see was plus five or whatever yeah before okay so in the first half he was probably uh, almost all of it and then well the second half too. the beginning of it when they went on that 16 to 5 run that took like 65 years to yeah to, <laughs> that was like they're up 38 33 like you look and you're like smu only has five points through 12 minutes and uc's up five it was the Jeez. slowest 16, it was the slowest 16 to
0: 5 run in history
1: <laughs> yeah it was, uh, and, and I. It was funny today. And I get a call from Grandma Ruthie. She's, she's like, I just talked to your dad, and and I, I can't believe it. I missed the game last night. I, I'm sick about it. I was like, Grandma, you picked the perfect game yeah. not to watch.
0: If you she's were gonna still, miss one, Grandma Ruthie. Yeah, that was the one.
1: That was the one. I, she's like, I, I was like, I really don't have anything to report. I, I don't have much. I was like, Keith Williams. It looked like he might be hurt, but he's fine. And. Um, Jared made a couple plays on the stretch and they they pulled it out. Move on. All right, let's calm down.
0: Let's get to Memphis on Saturday. Mm. I said today, uh, in in browsing the internet, I'm back on Twitter. I, I had to leave Twitter last night. I don't know if you saw that or not.
1: I wasn't really on it.
0: The ignorance that was flying my way in the first half of that game. Oh, boy. I literally, I just, I got to a point that I couldn't do it. So, (laughs) so I left Twitter last night. Hold on. Let me, let me see if I can find, I know it's way back here.
1: What are you going to do? Like Lance McAllister tweets? I got no
0: segment here. Somebody said something that, that I just, I, I had had enough. Hmm. I don't know where it is. Oh, you mean like the one—the one that
1: actually—that was what—that's no. what
0: put me over the edge. Yeah, I think I muted the guy. If you're—if he's listening, sorry, it was so dumb I had to mute you. Um, but I'm back on Twitter, and somebody pointed out Memphis is on the bubble, on the wrong side of the bubble. But if Memphis wants to make the tournament, the only way left they really have to do that outside of winning the conference tournament in FedEx Forum is to beat Cincinnati at Cincinnati. Right. So they are going to come in here hair on fire to win this
1: game. And they are playing very well. They won five of six. The only yeah. loss was a close loss at UCF, who's a kind of a good team.
0: Yeah, they're, they're better on the road than they had been earlier in the year, which was their problem. They which were isn't saying. On the, yeah, which, they were which, miserable on the road.
1: Yeah, it's not saying much.
0: Jeremiah Martin's averaging, what, 30 over his last six?
1: Yeah, he's like on a little James Harden kick here.
0: And um, this is going to be another dogfight. Oh, yeah. Because they are going to come in here hell-bent on winning this game. Seating themselves better potentially for the AAC tournament, and and trying to make the NCAA tournament, they have to win this game to do it.
1: Well, and also they are they're going to feel good about their chances because they had UC down eleven, yeah, in the first matchup. So they're they're going to they're going to have confidence that they can they can get it done. But yeah, they when when they weren't playing well on the road, they were turning the ball over a lot. They were fouling a lot and i think they've they've scaled that back in both areas just you know penny and his staff his his world renowned staff just making sure that guys understand the value of the basketball and not to reach as much and stuff like that so they're they're just eliminating the beating themselves type of plays yeah. from what i've seen and that's why when they played central florida they they hung in that game all the way to the end and and they i think they I think they cut it down to a possession or two and just ran out of time in that one, but they were, they were right with them. And, and as you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to win at central Florida, I guess, unless you're Florida Atlantic, but Ooh, but, uh, it's going to be hard. And I, look, every game left for UC this season is going to be a dog fight. I don't care. It's just, it just is. And they, and what, what game, okay. Think about, so since the Tulane game, you had the Tulsa game at home that wasn't a dog fight. Any other ones that weren't, no, yeah none,
0: but I Either will go back to Berg, yeah to 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 move from home to road you were deathly concerned about road games for this team early yeah it the was. I was and uh only one left they might lose it if they lose it, they're gonna finish six and three
1: on the road, yeah, and that was that was I mean we we talked about this.
0: That was best case for you, right? Six and three. Yeah. You thought that was the best they could do.
1: Yeah, because I, I I did think that one of these games, whether it was UConn or Wichita or or SMU, I felt like it would be hard to win all three of those. But but and, and the the reason why is because I wasn't sure how good UC's defense is this season. I mean, the numbers say it's not as good as last year, obviously. But so, they, but they really, that th- top twenty yesterday. Yeah, they they their offense went down to. I saw today they went down to fifty 20, in offense, yeah. and yeah, I saw I think it was twenty. Yeah, so so it looks normal now. Looks but, no, yeah, everything's yeah. back to normal in Bearcat lands. Yeah, it all back of your baseball card and all that stuff. <laughs> but the but the so so but what's happening is how they won these games. They've largely won them with defense, and then and then especially you know really good execution down the stretch. So it's a good formula to win road games, and and they'll have a chance next Thursday, which. Uh, I mean, UCF is going to be. They're going to be. They're going to be the, pissed. What? Oh saying, my god! They're going to be pissed. They're going to be. Yeah. What is it? Pissed and vinegar? I don't know what yeah. it is. Some Lots term of or whatever. Pissed and vinegar. Yeah. So that's that's the that that'll be one where if see wins that, I would consider that an upset if they win in that one, regardless of if they're ranked and they're not or whatever the case is. So, but yeah, Memphis will be really hard to to knock off because they they don't give up. Even if you're ahead, I mean they'll they'll put that pressure on you, and they're very very. I mean they they are more athletic across the board and quick than you see. Yeah. So it's 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 hard. It's, that's a hard matchup for 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 anybody if you're out if you're out athleted.
0: And they've and so, actually got some size inside. Like they're not undersized yeah. by any stretch of the imagination.
1: No. And then like you said, they got a they got a dog that uh, is playing as well as anybody in the nation, not just in the league. Yeah, he's I, he's giving he's giving, and the fact that Jaron's cooled off, you I know, now was all of a sudden, to say it. Now of a sudden, yeah, you know, I mean, now of a sudden, it's not a foregone conclusion. Now you got Jeremiah Martin in the conversation. If they come back and if they some if they win this game on Saturday and Martin has a giant game, it's, I mean, think it's a, mean, it's
0: a it's a it's a three horse race.
1: Yeah, Corey, Corey Davis, Davis. Yeah,
0: Jaron Cumberland, Jeremiah Martin. Up until three games ago, Jaron had a substantial substantial sizable lead. And now I don't think that is as much the case anymore. I think I'd probably still have him number one. But what Jeremiah Martin has done over the last six games to get Memphis back off the mat and competing for, you know, a top four, top five seed in the conference um, has been incredible because yeah. they, they wouldn't be here without what he has done the past six games.
1: Yeah, if they finish top four, that's going to really help his his chances. I feel like it's just kind of it's one of those uh... – Mental, mental things. If they finish ahead of Temple,
0: they just beat Temple at home, right? They're what one game back.
1: Yeah, I Temple's let me down. Yeah, they're Temple me down. and South Florida—they're both all, both my teams. Other than, you know, they're letting me down. South Florida, South Florida has run out of gas. Like, now. yeah, they got nothing now, and that because they already they were already flawed to start with. But teams are like, okay, we understand they're going to be crazy and pressure us and whatever the case is. And
0: well, it's also. They can't. That was basically a brand new team coming into the season. Like,
1: yeah.
0: Th- that wasn't a team there was a lot of tape on. Now there's tape on them. Now teams are right. been able to figure out, you know, what they're trying to do. Yeah. Uh, they, they've slowed down LaQuincy Rideau uh, quite a bit from early in the season. Um, so they've slowed. I mean, that's to be expected a little bit for where they were. Yeah. It's, Still, it's not a veteran yeah. team. That you know what I mean? It's not a team with you know a bunch of juniors and seniors that all of a sudden was surging. It was a team with a lot of new guys that came together quicker than everybody expected. Right, and now and, they're taking some
1: lumps. Yeah, and and you know I mean I think I think Gregory had a shot at coach of the year if he yeah. if if he could have split the Temple. I mean he he could have they they should have won both those Temple games. The free throw free throw line let them down in both of them. They could have split those, and if he could have finished five hundred or better in the league of a team that was supposed to be last and and not only a lot of their losses were you know tough out type of losses too but now i think they're they're fading down to where he won't have a shot to be able to to win that award but unfortunately i don't think it's going to be fran dunphy in his final year in the league either nah not looking not looking to be the case
0: i mean i think at this point it's kelvin
1: Sampson. yeah and and really it, temple is rooting for houston hard to win every single game if they're the only team that beat them that's going to be that's yeah. gonna be huge for for the bubble purposes, and that's why I think a lot of the, the bracketology people have them in ahead of UCF because I mean, if you're the only, team only has one loss and you beat them, yeah, it's pretty good on a walk off charge. Yeah, it's the, the rare walk off charge. <laughs> but but Temple Temple's okay. They, they look like a they look like a Dayton first four to me. Like you get something you got to prove a little more yeah. if they even if they have a chance. They, I,
0: that loss at Memphis that 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 could be a a big one for them. I think they needed to feel better. They definitely needed to get out of Memphis with that win. Not that it's well, a bad
1: loss. Yeah, but they split with them. I think. Yeah, it was a tier one road win. Like, yeah, you're right. There's there's a lot of these situations where um, you look across the country, but especially in, in in American right now with UCF, they thought they had a chance at Cincinnati. They couldn't hold it, and then like you, a couple other ones like Temple. And, um, you know, it's just like some of these teams just can't quite stamp it. And, um, but Memphis, like you said, they, they have a chance to, to be one of those teams to put themselves in in the conversation with a win on Saturday. Yeah. So they'll be ready.
0: Um, back to UC Memphis. And I mean, I don't think there's a lot of, of analyzation to it. It's, you got to slow down Jeremiah Martin. And you've got to be able to, if you've got a lead, you've got to be able to handle their pressure. And you've got to take care of the basketball at home, which they've been really good at. So, I feel pretty good about it. But we're now to that point in the show where it's Berg's Pick, sponsored by Trace Pountas Coffee. Freshly roasted gourmet coffee shipped directly to you. The coffee beans are roasted to order your order and shipped out immediately. Every bag of beans they ship has the roast date clearly printed on it, so you know your coffee is fresh 100% of the time. You can find out about Trace Pountas Coffee by going to www.tracepoundtas.com slash coffee, T-R-E-S-P-O-N-T-A-S.com slash coffee. All coffee orders are roasted fresh for you and shipped out immediately. They offer 12-ounce bags and K-Cups. You can get whole bean and ground coffee in the 12-ounce bags. Choose between light, medium, dark, and French roasts. And, uh... Go to the website, you uh, you set up a subscription for every one, two, or four weeks. That's your choice on how much coffee you want. You save 10% off every bag, but if you put Bearcats in at checkout, that's Bearcats at checkout as your promo code, you will save 20% on your coffee subscription, plus you will get free shipping, all orders, free shipping in the U.S. from either, uh, from the tracepountas.com website. So Berg, it is time for the Justin Berg, Trace Pountas prognostication: Bearcats <laughs> or Memphis? Who
1: you got? Cincinnati.
0: I'm with you. I, I think the Bearcats find a way. It's what they've yeah. done. I, I think they get to 25 and and three, and you get to the final two games of the season, or 25 and four. Sorry, and yeah, you get to the a, final two yeah. games of the season which we knew coming in was was going to be the big deal. And if they get this, Berg, you looked at that 11-game stretch. We talked about it from the day the schedule came out. We talked about it in the preseason. We talked about it when the conference season started. We talked about it when the 11-game stretch started. If you can get past Memphis, you're going to be 8-1 and one going into those final two.
1: I don't think anybody would have predicted that. Probably not. Probably not. Especially because because of, of the road, yeah. Just it, it, that felt like they would lose a couple more on the road. Well, but some some teams are down. I mean, SMU's not; they're down. Dre Foster, Wichita State is not as good as people thought they were going to be. I know that. Well, they were picked ninth. Yeah, you're right. But they, I mean, you felt like it was going to be harder to to beat them than it, than it has been for certain teams, and so you know, they're just. UConn, you thought maybe early in the year, like they, they looked like they had some stuff. They beat Syracuse, and you got all excited and you thought you're maybe that was. Excusing gonna... away Winsburg, I'm just saying that you're excusing probably... away road wins. Yeah,
0: you're right. I'm really disappointed in you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you never you never take winning for granted, my friend. I know. Ask the people on Loser Parkway what happens when you take winning for granted you lose six in a row in the middle of the season
1: except for now they're back on the bubble magically magically
0: whatever i don't care yeah um <laughs> <laughs> but i mean you got to say if you can get through this and you can get to that those two games at 8 and 1 and that that 11 game stretch uh that and the funny thing is this team has been as inconsistent as we thought it would be
1: they've just found ways to win in spite of that Right. The last five minutes, they've been as good as you can be. Yeah. And, and that's similar. Sim, you know, everyone was talking about the SK year. That was that was their big thing. They, they were yeah. so good in the last five minutes and they were so inefficient offensively every other minute of every other game. And they, 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 they like tripled their efficiency in the last five minutes. So as long as you hang around, just you know, obviously some people it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's, it's testing their, their uh, blood pressure to try to sit through this stuff and running up the bar tabs or <laughs> <laughs> but hey whatever 24 and 4 is 24 and 4 anyway slice it absolutely
0: all right man well I think that's uh, that's you got anything else
1: no nope, we'll see everybody down at the arena on Saturday whoever's going
0: 8 p.m. tip nice plenty of time for everybody to get nice and lubed up
1: what's that ESPN
0: the, uh, I think so yeah
1: PM two. one of the
0: one of the two uh, 8 p.m. tip: yeah. Bearcats and Memphis Tigers. I always judge the season by my parking pass, the stack on my parking pass. And I took that that parking pass off for UCF, and it was like, oh my god, there's two home games left. Right, we're we're at the end, we're we're near the finish line, and then you'll 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 tear I'll tear that one off on Saturday. And that's when Senior Day will start to hit me, and then you'll tear the one off on Senior Day, and it's like, well, another one, another one in the books, and and we uh, we are finally at that point, point. and uh, it's been uh, it's been a hell of a ride so far this year, that's for sure, and still, still, the roller coaster is not done. No, <laughs> with, with, as, even in the regular season, there's still a lot of there's still a lot of track left on this roller coaster. As we try to get to uh, March 10th and Senior Day, but that's going to wrap it up. Berg, thanks for thanks thanks as always. Fantastic job and uh, good questions. I, I I think you hit the nail on the head on on the three things that you know the three immediate concerns for this team as we hit the stretch run. So good stuff. I will talk to you soon. I will talk to you Saturday night. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Justin Berg. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.